Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing. This is the Book Riot Podcast. I'm Jeff O'Neill. And I'm Rebecca Shinsky. And today we're talking about the biggest win we've had yet for the war on book bans. We're going to talk about Taylor Swift some more, believe it or not. Barnes & Noble opening new stores, a public library getting into publishing, and the rest of what we find to be the most interesting book stories of the week. Rebecca, having said that, we are both of us, to various degrees, um, subject to Jack Frost over the last few days. How are you holding up? Have you been outside? What's your sweater situation? Give me all the (laughs) I have worn every item of merino wool clothing that I own in the last couple of days, but I'm quite warm. You know, we talked about our love for smart wool socks on one of our Best of the Rest episodes a year or Mm -hmm. so ago, and so I'm just living in the smart wool zone. Uh, It was 15 degrees yesterday morning when I got up, and today it was like 40. So we're on the up and up here. Things have thawed. Everyone in Virginia is back safely driving or driving as safely as they ever do. Um, I like winter. I was very distracted on a call with you the other day when giant floppy <laughs> snowflakes started falling from the yeah, sky. Yeah, you had like anime <laughs> eyes. Like they started to big, big, wet orbs of longing to go outside. Yeah, just of like, oh, it looks lovely out there. Uh, so I don't, yeah. I'm kind of in my element. This makes my Midwestern heart happy. But then again, I have not been stuck inside in a really frozen yeah, landscape been, with two uh, children like you Sheets have. of ice. We've all been tucked in. It's been, we knock on veneered wood here. Um, our power and heat have all stayed on, but we've been inside in a little bit of uh, a, min- a microcosm of ice station zebra, as Portland has been over the last eight or 10 days. Um, before we get into the show, I don't know what made you, the, something about your personality plus the Marina Wool sweater thing made me think <laughs> about this. What, is what this would you be? say is your likelihood of ever owning an alpaca? It's because it's not zero for you, Rebecca. It's and I got to tell zero. you, it's not zero. <laughs> I feel very known by this yeah. question. Because you know what it's alpacas turn into? It's like a dog that shoots off Merino World sweaters. This You have to have thought about this. Right. Uh, it's not zero. It's probably not high. Yeah. But like, I, no one in my life would be that surprised if, I was gonna you know, say. like, if you got a text that was just a photo of me and my new alpaca, you'd be like, yeah, no. that's good. That, that, that about makes sense. You know, they say about playing poker, if if you can't identify the fish at the table, it's you. If you can't identify the person in your friend group most likely to buy an alpaca, it's probably you. And that's, I mean, this makes me feel good about the choices I'm making in life because I'm not even sure I'm the one in my friend group who's most likely to have an alpaca. Oh, that's interesting. Well, you, you have to, I know you have to disqualify people with pre-existing farms. That doesn't count. If you've already yes, got yeah, livestock, no. that doesn't count. We're talking about, you know, maybe you have a dog and a quarter of an acre and an exurb. That's what we're, that's what we're talking about here. Because I know who you're thinking of is the most likely to have an alpaca. Mm-hmm. They've already got livestock out there in Vermont or wherever. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I, I uh... That. 
It, it probably won't happen, but it could. You know, you're right. It, it, I, is, I, I I'm think you're probably red. less likely, though, because you do not anticipate um, having offspring adopted or otherwise. I think Correct. a lot of the alpaca purchases are a you know, replacement therapy stuff. Oh, so I don't know that you're going to ever have a moment of like, oh, I'm empty nesting. I've been used to all this yeah, crap. No. Let's get into some minor life, I'm minor just husbandry situations. Devoted to my series of, you know, big doofusy dogs. Yeah. That's that's right. my calling in life. Um, but I, I would love to like have a friend who has an alpaca that I could go visit. Yeah, it's nearby. like having a friend with a pickup truck. It's or always nice. You don't have a pickup yeah. truck, a boat, right. pickup truck, and alpaca. Those are, get yourself, <laughs> that's the three. Get yourself one that does them all. <laughs> We're here to talk about books, folks. Look, I've been inside for a while. I don't know what to say. We're going to do a sponsor break. I'm trying to collect myself. I'll talk to you in a second. Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing. Okay, uh, some other housekeeping things. The winter adaptation preview is in the uh, uh, main feed next week. So that's going to be our, our second um, ep- regular episode. And we're recording after this episode today. It's going to show up in the Patreon soon is the Hot 50 check-in. This is a another structure slash heuristic of little to no import that we find um, mill-friendly or grist, uh, uh, mill-friendly grist for, I should say, uh, in which I present to Rebecca a list of 50 books that I are saying the hot 50 books in North America right now. Um, and then I think this is the, be the third iteration, and really we're talking yes. about the Delta. So what's changed? Um, so I'm, I think I've got 12 for you to talk about that have changed okay. since the last time we did this in October. So you find that on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. You can find the link in the show notes there. More and, pe- more and more people there every day. That's been super fun to see. Thank you so much. We appreciate that as well. Shoot us an email for any and all feedback. Um, podcast at bookwright.com. And some of that will be going into our new newsletter, which we've had a lot of fun. I just saw there's a couple of new comments today on the first send uh, that we're doing for this show. It's going to be follow-up stories, things we didn't get to, the mailbag situation, the picture. Um, you can, Feel free to send um, Craigslist listings for alpacas near you yes. uh, for Rebecca. We can see. I don't know what I don't know what the, the monthly burn on an alpaca is. I'm not really sure what that is. <laughs> That's going to look like. Um, so, you know, if you've got any uh, animal husbandry tips for um, things that you can feed your trash that will turn in, that will make things you can turn into clothing, Rebecca is all ears, even if it's way into the future. Um, and then book club episode next week, and this is for the Patreon, right? This yes. Patreon? We're going to be talking about the intuition. Intu- Intuitionist. We're going to be learning how to say first the intuitionist by Colson Whitehead, <laughs> and then we're going to be discussing it on the occasion of the 25th anniversary of that book. And I, we will, I assume, be part of that, talking about the Whiteheadian mode and you know his presence yes. and you know what he's meant um, and what he does. Uh, amazing to think about that it's been 25 it's years. Remarkable at this point. I will tell the story of how I first accounted both the intuitionist and Whitehead and New York all on wait. the same night. 
Oh, wow. Have, have I told you this story before? I don't I, think I so. Have. I, do, I have stories I haven't told you that are appropriate. This is an amazing <laughs> thing about me. Or maybe you have. We'll see if I remember it when you start talking about it. And folks, you do have time to pick it up. There's a new, yeah. beautiful hardcover from Every Man's Library. It's a 25th anniversary edition. It has a cool intro. So you can, it, whether you're on the Whitehead train or not, this was his first novel, so it's not too late. It's never too late to get on the Whitehead train, but this would be a really fun way to do it. I have so. read it twice, but it's been 20 years since I read it. Um, so I am exactly. fast. I remember Lila Mae Watson, the main character's name, like... So many of the books, this is one of the great secrets of, of serious readers. You forget so much of what you oh, read. Like, yes. I was looking at my 23, I was like, what was that about? I have no idea. And I, well, but this is even, one where I remember specifically details about it and characters. Yeah, even something like that. Sula that I've read probably, I don't know, yeah. five or six times more than I've read any other book in my life. I forget huge chunks of it every time I go back to it. I'm like, I, oh, I find yeah, some of them Morrison can smear together, like the Sula, Tar Baby, Jazz. Like, I'm not going to mix up Beloved with some other things, but I feel like sure. some of those I was like, which book was that in? Because mm-hmm. it feels of a that piece. That happens. Whitehead, outside of the Carney one, they feel distinct enough that it's hard to confuse, yes. like Nickel Boys with Sag Harbor or something like that. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, so, yeah. There's no like uh, interbook crossover happening yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. It's there's, just there's no, easy to forget no, stuff. Uh, character name, space pollution. Anyway, so looking forward to that. Um, also, Rebecca's Better Living Through Books newsletters live. There'll be a link in the show notes there. All the kinds of stuff you can sign up for. Some of it's, most of it's free, but there's a couple of paid things. Um, if you've got a few extra bucks that you're looking to put somewhere around the world of books and reading. Okay, let's do book banning stuff first. I got an email this week from someone saying, thank you so much for covering this stuff. Continue doing it even as it is tedious, frustrating, and enraging all at the same time. It's kind Mm -hmm. of a weird trifecta. It's a hard one to pull off, but good job, book banners. You've done to be both um, tiring, frustrating, boring, um, and the most important story in our uh, industry all at the same time. Um, I will use Kelly Jensen's words directly, which is saying this is huge news, possibly the biggest legal news we've gotten. Um, This Fifth Circuit calls the Texas Reader Act unconstitutional and stays the law. What that means, HB 900 is this really bad one that bans, quote-unquote, sexually explicit books from schools and require all book vendors in the state to rate the content of materials they sell and submit a list to this Texas Education Agency. T, uh, the law would have gone into effect September 1st with ratings due by April 1st, but the circuit court said not so much, and the key takeaway being that the circuit court directly said it was a violation of the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. So that's where my legal understanding ends and my understanding of this particular story ends. I think for the purpose of this show, it's probably enough. But Rebecca, is there anything else to say, note, or otherwise follow here? I mean, it's a huge win on its face. It also helps, I think, to know that the Fifth Circuit is generally bananas. Um, Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I think maybe on Best of the Rest, I talked about the Strict Scrutiny podcast, which is produced by the Pod Save yes. folks. It's hosted by three constitutional law professors, really smart, really funny women who talk about what's going on at the Supreme Court. I've been listening to it for like six months, so I'm far from an expert, but they really break down like, here's an upcoming case. Here's what's going on with this thing. Here's what this judgment means. Here's what this other thing could mean. And I found it to be helpful for managing the um, all the hypothetical things that have here in headlines. But one frequent character that pops up is the Fifth Circuit Court. Um, Mm. Just bananas things happen. They tend to be very conservative, um, very 
willing to allow laws that are probably unconstitutional or that many other courts would find to be unconstitutional stay willing to sort of like grant powers to the kinds of groups that are creating these book bans. I'm so happy to see this win, but the fact that it comes out of the Fifth Circuit seems like I don't want to get too excited, but it seems like a really, really positive sign. Sort of doubly telling. Yes, that if the Fifth Circuit can recognize this (laughs) and didn't like, I I think some of those judges have an interest in allowing laws like this to stay. And if they could not find a way to bend over backwards and justify it, I think that's a very good hopeful sign for success that uh, some of these lawsuits against book bans in other states may have as well. I really, really hope so. This is, and and regardless, you got to take your wins where you take where you can in a big long fight like this so whatever this means for the future we should really celebrate that this is happening um and big applause to all the folks who are part of this lawsuit including the book people bookstore of austin texas and houston's blue willow bookshop who filed the lawsuit so may your efforts continue to succeed but like i just could not be more surprised that the fifth circuit court did like something rational (laughs) There's a part of me that um, the close reader in me really enjoys certain legal readings, and I don't know Mm. what corner of the legal world that I could have found myself happy in, but any time that you get to like quote a phrase and say, that's not actually what you think it means, an Uh angel gets its wings in my household. (laughs) So in this decision, um, the court writes, uh, the library material ratings, um, the state argued, Texas argued, that the ratings are, quote, purely factual and uncontroversial, like a nutrition label. They simply tell the buyer what they're receiving rather than pass judgment or express a view on the material's appropriateness for children. We disagree. The ratings reader requires are neither factual nor un- uncontroversial. The statute requires vendors to undertake contextual analysis, weighing and balancing many factors to determine a rating for each book. Balancing a myriad of factors that depend on community standards is anything but the mere factual disclosure of information. And it has already proven uncontro- mm-hmm. proven controversial. Love Maybe it. I love that. Whoever wrote this, I love this person. Like, I love this. It's, <laughs> now, again, I don't know what they're saying about other things. And this is one of those situations, too, where... I'm going to use a lowercase c conservative here just for a moment because it may mm-hmm. help disambiguate a little bit. Tends to not want the state to do things like this, right? They don't right. want to put undue burden uh, or any kind of burden or response. Well, now I'm now I'm um, editorializing, but in general, it's an unusual position for lowercase c conservatives to say we want to rate things that the free market can sell. <laughs> very mm-hmm. odd um, position to be in. And I guess on the other hand, a very odd position for lowercase liberals to be like, um, we, we don't want to, uh, we, we want, the, uh, we want uh, the, the federal to back off here. We want the state. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it's, it's not quite that simple, but the, the larger story being, this is good president. I guess if you appeal next, it, it sounds like it might be the, the nine, the nine, get it next. I'm not really sure where it goes to. If they, yeah, I'm not Texas sure where it goes after this Fifth Circuit, but very possible it could go to the Supreme Court. And Jeff, like for you especially, and your love of a close reading, I, I yeah, I can't recommend strict scrutiny enough. I think you just you'd appreciate it. <laughs> hmm. You know, there's some rabbit holes that you don't want to take your pen and paper uh, down into. I well, need to be careful you know. about that. I just got to make sure careful. that I shout podcast recommendations into the void at you every now and then just to keep it up. This is this is one of the, <laughs> one of your great uh, quixotic tasks is to, to text me <laughs> an episode is. of a podcast knowing that the chances of to me listening to it are about one tenth of what your chances of buying an alpaca are. But in the you know what? Teams. 
its variable rate of return, and that is the most compelling form of reinforcement. Has, has this slot machine ever paid out, though? I'm waiting. When did it, I'm waiting. When did it, yeah, you're Someday. waiting. You're just, sit, you're just sitting there wearing your sneakers with a bunch of quarters, smoking American spirits, waiting for me to listen to some episode you know, of Pantsuit Politics. And the thing is, I'm just right about most of them. You would enjoy them, so it's your loss, my friend, but okay. Yeah, I, I understand. I'm, I'm not saying that you're not incorrect. I'm saying you're wasting your data. Remember when we used to get charged by text message? I was going to say, You'd have right, to consider yeah. whether or not <laughs> right. we had to Is like, this send worth a my text. text? <laughs> yeah. We should bring that Sorry. back because I got to tell you. Anyway, that's a You're in luck, my friend. I got unlimited texting. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Or what What about like you could you could charge people to text you? Like, <laughs> all right. So uh, every text Rebecca sends me that has a podcast link in it, that's going to be 10 cents. Uh, can you I charge really, the disincentive for all the fundraising texts? <laughs> yeah. Or you could pay a different rate, and it would just like spam me with the same link, like every hour in the hour until it shows that I've listened to the first uh, the text two version of, the of like a glitter bomb. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's it. right. Uh, okay, where are we going to next? Oh, I guess more. Yeah, good we're still news. book banning corner, but it is good news. Massachusetts and Mexico have joined the have gotten on the train of introducing anti. Book banning measures, Massachusetts we talked about before, Illinois we've talked about before. It looks like it's similarly um, constructed in which the law is really about, not not that whether or not you can do this, but what the consequences are being state funding, mm-hmm. especially. And since a lot of libraries in most states derive um, the lion's share, I believe, or it's certainly a significant piece of their funding from the state, this would be very, very um, painful to do, though we have seen some libraries close. Like there's been stories of small libraries closing because of controversies like this, whether it's drag story, uh, drag queen story hours, or you know a particular book in there. But you know this is one of the situations where the blue states are doing stuff to to shore up the defenses, mm-hmm. and the red states are bringing them down. Um, welcome to a confederation, I guess, um, at this point. So. Uh, let's see. They have to adopt and follow the American Library Association's Library Bill of Rights, create a policy that explicitly prohibits the removal of materials from the public library based on partisan or doctrinal approval. In other words, no banning on the basis of race, gender, sexuality, political, or mm-hmm. religious views. Um, yeah. So, good. Yeah. If you know that Neither- in your state, keep an eye on that. Right. May their efforts succeed. It'll be really interesting to see if we get a federal, an attempt at a federal version of this, or if it's something that the Biden administration starts or the Biden campaign starts trotting out as we get closer to an election. I know there have been rumblings about a federal version, you know. I don't know if they want to have the that House fight of right now. Is not, I mean, it's, yeah, right. they're not going to do it. It's a, not, he's not getting I think it's a right compelling uh, piece of a campaign conversation, especially given the results of the surveys that uh, Book Riot had partnered on with every library that yes. Kelly Jensen really had partnered on <laughs> on our behalf uh, with every library where most parents who are aware of these book banning efforts do not support them. Most parents want kids to have access to school and public libraries. They would like, you know, some awareness of what their kids are reading and some input. But most parents do not support this. And especially if the GOP is really going to try to use this as one of the uh, as a fulcrum in their campaign strategy going into November, uh, especially in local state and local elections, uh, seeing a, a big conversation about it from the federal level would be really interesting. And I think would be compelling for, you know, like the that suburban mom swing voter that everybody's after. Yeah. I think if you're a congressional candidate in a purple district in, say, Florida, and you can hold up the dictionary and say, this is what the other guys are trying to ban, right. I think there's juice there. I think so. Yeah. 
it's really interesting. Okay. Um, speaking of shutting things down, um, <laughs> the director of Argyle. You know, I stared hard at this for the hot list, by the way. Mm. And maybe I can, this is a, a mini preview of what we do here, uh, do there, here, there. My butt's in the same place. Anyway, you get it. Of trying to decide whether or not a book has, you know, crossed the O'Neill Meridian to become one of the Hot 50 titles. I, I think I'm beginning to feel out some rules, guidelines, sort of uh, to, to divine my, using celestial navigation of, of sure. heart here. It's to vibes. What qualifies or not. Yeah. If your book gets swept up in Taylor Swiftian authorial rumors, that might be enough, especially considering how many books 50 is and what the other things you'd be <laughs> knocking off are. Yeah, 50 is a lot of books. It's so the most interesting part of this Argyle thing to me is that like everyone is talking about the controversy, but I'm not hearing anything about the book. Like, have you heard or, or come across any like reviews? Uh, the, or the, the only thing I've seen is readings. the trailer, the trailer for, yeah, the, for movie. the movie. Yeah. Yeah. You have Cocktail Network information. I do. Are you comfortable saying this? How can you couch this in a way that's interesting? Oh, wait, before we get to that, Matthew Vaughn, the director, said, not Taylor. Is that that's right. the headline? That's it. That's the it's, headline. He and yeah, I appreciate okay. the context he gives. He says uh, there is an Ellie Conway who wrote the book, but it is not Taylor Swift. And I say that because I imagine Taylor Swift has a load of people trying to jump on her bandwagon left, right, and center, and I don't yeah. want to be part of that club. Good job, so Matthew I, Vaughn. Yeah, good job, Matthew Vaughn. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I think I can safely and who knows? Like this is just another theory. But I uh, had dinner with a friend the other night who works in advertising, and they were telling me that the conspiracy theory around this in the marketing and advertising world. So like, there's the first moment to pause is like, this conspiracy has made it out of the book world and into like, the things that the broader internet is talking about. But the theory happening there among at least this person's like pocket of marketers and advertisers is that a couple of the stars of the movie co-wrote the whole co-wrote the book together and that Ellie Conway is a collective pseudonym and that that is how they were able to produce the movie and the book at the same time that people who are in the movie were in on it from the beginning this is that gets me to my own theory do you want me to tell me my theory then knowing (laughs) what you said about this and looking at the cast because one Dua Lipa loves books Mm mm-hmm and she is in this, and she does. of the people in this, Cavill, Henry Cavill, Sam Rockwell, Catherine O'Hara, Samuel L. Jackson, is she, I don't know, in the pecking order, the green light pecking order of Hollywood? I think she's got the juice to be someone that could get something done. Maybe Cavill as well. I don't know mm-hmm. anymore about what would happen, but Dua Lipa loves books. I mean, she has her own book club. She recommended yeah. something the other day. I was just looking like, that's an amazing recommendation. Um, again, it wasn't like John Fossey or anything like that, but it was, you know, pretty literary and very serious. And I, I was welcome that I need to get on the gram. I also saw, I'm sorry, I accidentally was on Instagram for more than nine minutes the other day. I don't know what happened. I don't know if I fell down or had a, um, the petite mal seizure. I'm not sure what was happening. Yeah, I was just on there and I was seeing, um, Lupita Nyong'o representing books for if you're sad, like 10 of them, oh. just like doing a straight up bookstagram. Oh, list I did. Of I saw books, that also. A, yeah. Anyway, so and I was again, kind of like, is are we is from a different okay? World. <laughs> she, why is she sad? Yeah, at what stage think, of grief is making your bookstagram um, list real? <laughs> That's like what we would have called in the old days vague booking. Like, what oh, did you? What yeah. sad thing is going on? And you don't want to talk about the sad thing, but you do want everybody to know that you're sad, and so you'll yeah. do it by putting up your. List yeah, you would have had. Her, she would have had a very moody um, G chat uh, caption or a status. <laughs> 
for yeah, this. Oh, yeah, the AOL away message. Yeah, AOL, yeah, definitely would have some death cab um, in her status message. I think Dua Lipa is a great guess. That's a really good guess. And is like, it conspiracy theory when, I guess, it's not really conspiracy theory if she's in the movie. That's Now, now we're in speculation. Thing, I don't know why I care about the this The thing difference. that I'm still, still stuck on is, like, if you have a really big, like, a big name already and a big fandom that you could parlay into your debut novel, yeah. why would you not capitalize on that? Like, I understand. I, I like, well, someone's doing the, it. If it's one of these people, someone is doing it. Now, again, right. maybe the obvious thing is Bryce Dallas Howard, who is the star and a director. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe we're overthinking this. Her dad happens to be Ron Howard. Ever heard of him? So m- maybe it's uh, we need to see the trees and the trees uh, in the forest. Right. Here. Or maybe it's none of them. Like, maybe this is just a, like some normie who has connections or someone's agent or something who like wrote the book and just is using an alias. I, I really want to know who did it and what the motivation was, because if they have a really big fandom, why would you not point people? Why would you not? Yeah. It could be Matthew Vaughn, who I think has written some of his own movies as well. So yeah, like most of these things are way more boring than, Yes, People yeah, my like baseline expectation. I think I was saying that on Slack of like, I, I think this is probably most likely to turn out to be much more boring than any mm-hmm. of us, you know, could guess based on the conspiracy theories. But even a case of like J.K. Rowling writing under a different name as she did for the mystery novels, like she wanted a chance to, I think, to like stand on her own as a mystery writer and not have it be yeah. like judged by the Harry Potter stuff. So maybe it's another writer, but the idea of like a movie star writing a book and not capitalizing on their existing fame is kind of baffling to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, but maybe it worked out. Maybe they're getting more buzz about it not than it's like Bryce Dallas Howard and Matthew Vaughn co-wrote this. Is anyone talking yeah. about it, if it's that, if we know that already? Right. Um, like, what if it's Greta not. Gerwig? I would love that. That would be really weird. But, I mean, again, <laughs> it's it's either going to be way more interesting than we think or very, very Or super boring. Better. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, super boring. <laughs> Um, speaking of things that are somewhere in the middle, Barnes and Noble, James Dot um, resurfaced. Uh, he was probably tired from the publicity tour that he went on through most of uh, 2022 into 2023. But in some end of year remarks to Publishers Weekly, and I actually saw this wrapped up in the bookseller. So you know, aggregate, aggregate me, baby. Um, <laughs> Barnes and Noble is going to open 50 new stores in the U.S. this year. It doesn't say what that means in terms of net stores. Because I know some are closing at the same time. They continue to optimize and figure out what works well. But at the very least, there's 50 new stores opening. They have hundreds. So again, I wouldn't... I'm trying to think of what would matter, you know, which chain would matter that there's 50 new stores opening at this level. But um, said that book sales remain strong through the holiday season. Sidelines were down, but some of that is just there's not as much real estate, right? And if the stack them high, let them fly rules, what you have space for is going to sell. And if you take away shelf space for some other things um, for books, those things are going to sell relatively poorly um, on a comp basis. He highlighted, uh, highlighted the new Sarah J. Moss book individually and specifically for reasons to be optimistic about 2024 mm-hmm. book sales combined with the strength at the end of the year. Um, which I continue to see more stories about how strong the end of the year was, especially for independent bookstores. Yes. Um, uh, and then the other thing he said is the political season that we're, we're walking into, uh, that he thinks there'll be an appetite for political mm-hmm. books there. I wrote in today in books, I guess that's sort of like saying there's going to be a good market for canned goods when a hurricane's coming. Uh, good if you deal with deal in canned goods, bad if you're um, a regular person like us as to weather the hurricane. But... Yeah, 
I'm not sure. Anything else there, Rebecca? What do yeah. you make of this? I, I also just noticed the line where um, I was reading the Publishers Weekly piece about mm. it, and he says that the makeover they did of the membership program, uh, which oh, yeah. was kind of widely criticized back in the spring of last year, has more than doubled the number of customers who enrolled in it, which allows Barnes & Noble to do more effective promotions for individual titles. So I remember we were kind of scratching our heads at, it, it's like multiple levels that you can subscribe to be, or that yeah. you can join to be a member. You get different benefits based on the amount of money. And most of them are not, like most of the benefits are not great. We were doing some value proposition analysis yeah. of like what is worth it to someone to become a member and why would this be worth it to Barnes & Noble? But if the real reason that they have this membership program is to use it as a marketing vehicle, not just to get subscription dollars from people. That's kind of telling. And it was interesting to see Don say that here. Um, I mean, more than doubling the number of people who have signed up is a sign that you have done something effective by changing the pricing Mm. and offering a lower tier. Um, They achieved their mission. They've got more people in there. More than doubling is really significant. Um, So that bit about more effective promotions for individual titles is cool. Uh, and interesting to see too. Kind of curious. Like I'm not a Barnes and Noble member, so I don't know what they're marketing uh, to individuals. Yeah. But uh, if you are, and you would like to tell us what kinds of you know marketing emails you're getting from Barnes and Noble or any patterns you're seeing, you can hit us up at podcast at bookriot.com. Some discussion too of you know had said that they wanted to reinvest or invest or otherwise turn their attention back towards digital commerce online mm-hmm. and Nooks and others. Getting people's email addresses is super useful to it's, that it because is, yep. you know the hard. It's hard to get someone's into this, someone's ass into the store if they're not already there. Um, but if you know you can get them via email to go over to bookbn.com to get the spread version of the new Sarah J. Mass. Sorry to everyone. Someone in the comments to the <laughs> newsletter said they prefer moist to spread. No, and that really we're not having me. this conversation. We didn't because ask you one that thing question. I know. One thing I know about women of my age is they hate the word moist. And if it's in the running, if it's even in the you know, if it's even in the same frame at the end of the race with <sighs> spread and moist, it that is. we are really we've entered into something else here. I, I didn't realize. Yeah. I'm so sorry to you, Rebecca, for having to do it. It's with all this. right. It's okay. I'm just gonna. You've pushed me like one step closer to alpaca purchases, but that's fine. That's right. Everything. Yeah fine. Um, Yeah, I wonder too if this is part of Barnes & Noble's strategy where they have been increasing the number of like gimmicks they have and not in a bad way, but first... Buy the head cover for half off. Right, but then there's also like the Barnes & Noble pick of the year and there's the Mm -hmm. booksellers Mm -hmm. pick of the year and there's the monthly Barnes & Noble book club pick and there's the discover great new voices stuff that's going on. These are all excuses to email people. They're all reasons to email people. Like I'm not, I have no judgment here. When you are trying to sell something, I think this is smart. They should do this. Yeah. Let me right. be yes. absolutely need, clear. Yes. This is all right. Yes. This is right. all right. Yes, correct. You need, when yeah. you are marketing something and you want somebody to buy it, you need as many reasons and ways to email mm-hmm. them about it as possible because as much as none of us want to admit it, email marketing is very effective. And if yes. Barnes & Noble has doubled and then some, the number of email addresses that they have in this membership program, and they're using creative programs to get people to open emails and ultimately buy books, that is how you point a ship back in the right direction. So good job, James Daunt, on that one. And this is something I would throw out to those of you who are um, online, which if you're listening to a podcast about books, you probably are. You'll notice, I don't think this is Telltale School, that Barnes & Noble does vanishingly little, I will say, when it comes to traditional paid advertising. Mm-hmm. Look at your search results, look at your Instagram feed, look at all the places where you know where digital marketing is happening. Even something, you know, print, billboards, 
I remember it was a big deal a few years ago when Barnes and Noble had a tea ad, TV ad for Christmas. Do you remember that? It was like oh, a big, and we yes. even talked about it on the show because Barnes and Noble had a TV ad, subway posters. Like, notice that lack. I think mm-hmm. it's fascinating to see because Amazon does a bunch of this. Bookshop does a bunch of this. You know, some other some other places do a bunch of it too. And I, you know, I don't want to get down the, the particular rabbit hole, but Barnes and Noble is noticeable in its absence of traditional paid media spend. I think they may be paying some influencers. I don't have proof. I mm. think they might be, but that's a different conversation. That's a different crowd. That's one I know a little bit nothing about. But in the realm of the kinds of digital advertising that a 45-year-old book nerd encounters with, Barnes & Noble's absence is loud um, yeah, that's in that right. particular way. Okay, uh, let's do one more sponsor. We've got another story, and we can hit front list foyer to see if there's anything there. I find this next story so interesting it's rare we had them back-to-back weeks where i was like duh one was the oprah Vergase mm-hmm. thing and this one i don't feel as bad about but i was like oh that makes a ton of sense so what this <laughs> is the la public library which is like the fourth largest library system in america i think new york has the other top three it's like brooklyn new york and queens or, or maybe it's chicago but anyway la public library bought angel city press which is a local publisher um small publisher that specializes books about la um, they got a big donation, apparently. I didn't read all the way. I didn't do like secondary research to see was the donation expressly for this or they use a, a one-off bequest. Doesn't really matter except to say that they got a big pot of money and they're using it to buy a publisher as part of their mission, which is not just to make books available to Angelinos, but to make books by and about Los, by and about Los Angeles residents, the city, the state, I think, as well, exist. Into the world, mm-hmm. and so de facto, they now have a nonprofit wing um, of their of their uh, library system. And I noted in today's books yesterday, um, one thing that Dan Sinekin notes in Big Fiction is that the conglomeration of publishing meant for a lot of consolidation at the top, a lot of apex level, like fewer and fewer apex mm-hmm. predators up there. But that's opened up some space in the 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 canopy. And below, arboreal metaphors are not my strength, so bear with me here, everyone, um, for new entrants into the ecosystem to find little niches. And this is a little one, and there's probably not a whole lot of profit to be made here, but it does something that the LA Public Library wants to do. You know, university presses existed for a long time. Mm -hmm. They do a lot of this kind of work as well. But I, I, I honestly had never thought, Rebecca, I'd never heard about this. I'm sure there's a history somewhere of libraries taking this under the aegis of part of their responsibility. I think this is super cool. I'd love to see more libraries take this on. I think it's super cool, too. This piece for the LA Times notes that the LA uh, Public Library won't be the first library system with its own press. The Library of Congress yeah. Publishing Office puts out titles. Uh, and yeah, the, and, okay, sure. Yeah, and the New York Public Library launched its own imprint that does five books a year. Um, that celebrate. Did we talk about that? No. I don't know okay. when it, it... That was yeah. 2016, so maybe we just... just yeah, lots of things happened in 2016, yeah, Jeff. <laughs> trumped, if you will, by other news... <laughs> But this is very rare, and this uh, that they're you know they're not starting something new. They're not publishing books like mm. from their own interests or to serve their own audience, but absorbing something that is part of the local community. You know, the founders of this uh, small press said that they were going to retire, and I would love to know. Like, I want the backstory of like, oh, did you talk to other buyers first? How did the LA yeah. Public Library come to be the one? But this just makes a ton of sense for the bigger picture of libraries' missions of serving their communities and 
you know, providing resources, uh, but also helping to develop resources and be just like really important centers of their cities. I, I'm going to be watching this with interest. It's very cool. Very cool. Okay. Uh, Frontless Foy, you got anything on your your uh, docket? I do. It's Marie Helene Bertino week. I have that too. I'm Beauty Land. Done. Are you done? Oh, I have like twenty pages left. So okay. let's talk about the first dish part for people. You go. Okay, so the. The setup is this young girl, Adina, is born in the 70s on the same day that the rocket leaves Earth carrying, um, like, it's the Voyager, and it's carrying, like, a golden record Mm. that has music that we want to use to introduce alien life forms to Earth if we happen to find anything out there, and a whole bunch of other things. Um, As she grows up, her mother finds a fax machine. They put it in her room, and she gets faxes. Uh, She figures out she's an alien. She has these dreams where she gets like a kind of instruction from... Or a medium for aliens, maybe a combination of both. Yes, yeah. She understands herself to be an alien and that her mission is to observe humans and send back her observations by fax to the uh, the the alien body of which she is a part. It's such a... It's I mean, and Marie-Helene Bertino, this is like... It's charming, it's touching, it's really funny, and it is surprise it there's like a surprising amount of depth for what the pitch is yes. this sounds like it's it's both light and substantial um yep. that as adina grows up her observations about humanity and the things that she wants to tell the aliens become you know less concrete increasingly emotional increasingly about interpersonal relationships and interactions mm-hmm. and like what it is to have relationships with other people what people are like looking for <laughs> in life um sort of uh, th- those like big questions of why are we here what are we doing here what does it mean to be human to connect with others and adina doesn't even really seem to have awareness that there's this trajectory happening that this is also just part of yeah. growing up right you start to understand the world and other humans in increasingly complex ways but her observations become just so sharp and so lovely and thought-provoking and i think quite profound like kind of stealthily profound what bertino yes. is doing here um really deeply interested in what connects us to other people and what holds us back from connection and the question hangs above the book the whole time as adina tells a few people that she is an alien or she believes herself to be of like is she actually um or is this something else going on with her and i'm very close to the end so i feel pretty confident like bertino's not going to pull a switcheroo i'll be very surprised if that happens in the last 20 pages Mm. of like she was human all along Um, but it doesn't matter it kind of comes like it doesn't it ultimately doesn't matter um it's just really lovely and warm um i don't i mean we kind of knew this is the vibe of bertino from 2 a.m at the cat's pajamas this is what i kind of hope for from her something that sounds gentle and the experience of it is gentle it's not a challenge book to read none of the no. observations that she makes are really difficult but it's very um it's it sharp invites... without being biting if that makes yeah. sense i don't know yeah, how to like, quite describe it i think that's right it, like it invites some reflection and some consideration yeah. of your own relationships and your own connections so you said you're like halfway yeah I th- I'm, I'm not sure i'm on my um ipad so it's always a little hard to know how much <laughs> but i've been doing it for a couple hours the last few days i'll probably finish it tonight honestly because i'm really into it you know, it's a, it's a. Well, the first part is mostly coming of age. I was actually sure how long it was going to cover life. I thought it might be, you know, um, 
Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, but with oh. uh, Aliens in a Fax Machine, where it's just sort of adolescence to you know 13. Sure. It yeah. certainly takes you through that, but it goes on into this person's life. So it, it, it's kind of a mashup to me of Carol Shields' Stone Diaries and Douglas mm-hmm. Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Like <laughs> Somehow it's both cops. of those things, That's right? right? Mm-hmm. Because the Stone Diaries follows this one average woman from childhood all the way to the end of her life and chronicles her quotidian existence. And it's one of my favorite books, and I think it's so simple and sort of proof of what literature can do that I'm going to be careful here, but I don't think other mediums can do as well, is get into Mm -hmm. the interior of someone's life over a long stretch of time. But this does that, but it, it adds this conceit, this mechanism for reflection and observation, and it by definition estranges her from yes. human life because she has to report back on it. And then she gets a little bit of feedback. I have a t-shirt um, series idea from you. I think <laughs> we should start a line of t-shirts that are just the faxes back from the aliens. Because I would yes. wear a t-shirt that just says, describe bunnies. I would wear a t-shirt that says, less about human television. Um, I think these are all wonderful ideas. So Bertino, yeah. out of print. I don't know how we can get on this, but Deeply into um, I this. would wear those. Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. And I think, you know, you said it estranges her. It, it is kind of about that feeling of alienation. Like, she understands herself to be an alien, but I think we all experience feelings yes. of alienation. This is part of the human condition, is that you kind of, you can't escape other people, and also you can feel very, very distant from them, yeah. or you can feel very different from everyone else. And she's sorting that out for herself. We make it kind of up into Adina's mid to late 20s, at least. It's so good. It's so good. I feel like this is going to be a book that I will continue to think about and talk about for yeah, I, the I rest of the year. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm so delighted to be delighted. There's no yes, better feeling yes. than delighted to be delighted. It's great. Um, also, it happens, I think Adina's born in, on January 1st, 1977. So within a you know a 12 or 14 month um, window of when I was born. So there's a lot of like, mm. oh, I remember. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Hair care products was not something I was clued in, <laughs> but apparently that was a watershed <laughs> moment for um, young women of a, of, of a certain hair consistency. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the other cultural touch points I, I definitely um, was finding super interesting. I need to look up this fact that gets dropped in here about um, NASA wanted a Beatles cut on that golden mm. record, but they wanted too much in royalties. <laughs> I know I laughed. My manager would have been fired so fast. So fast. <laughs> so fast. Come you cut on. NASA a deal. Come on, Fred. That's right. Yeah, we Give need to have um, Love Me Do to be 1.6 uh, light years away. That's something that needed to have happen. But instead, I we get Carl to... Sagan's third wife laughing or whatever else. I know. I do need to look up what else was on that recording. Um, yeah. It's if just only we interviewed lovely. authors, we could ask her directly. Gosh darn it. Every now and again, I was like, dude, this is the kind of thing we'd ask if we did this sort of thing. You know, it's, it's, it's just lovely. It's a good one. I think it'll be a Swiss Army gift of a book also. Mm, it's either for no one or everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna. We'll have to see how the landing uh, happens. Both yes. literally. Um, I have a request for our listeners before we wrap okay. up. I'm going on a road trip at the end of next week. I'll have 12 hours mm. total mm. in the car. So I need, and it's just me. So I don't have to think about what Bob likes or is interested in at all. No ships. Um, no ships. No, there will be no tall ships. Although he did have me, uh, he invited me to listen to some of the John Gearock, uh fly fishing stuff. Wait, wait, we just, okay, so wait, finish. I'll, I have a follow up, please, but please do. <laughs> well, we were just driving around town recently, and I was like, "This, I understand. This is soothing." Um, I'm happy for you, the great Rebecca Shade, that you say that. I'm so glad for you that you have this. I love that you have this. Uh, I love that you have this. 
Um, I have midlife lined up because I think you recommended or you oh, said it was on yeah. your radar in something you wrote yeah, recently. It was and I was today like, that in looks books. Good. It was like it was a today in books find from a list from I think I do, anyway it doesn't matter. Yes, it was. Yeah, audio. it's like four hours on audio and it's included in Spotify. So mm-hmm. that's there lined up. And I have oh, saved, that's gold. Right, Jerry, that's that how is you do gold. it. And I've I've been saving Soundtrack of Silence, the new book by Matt Hay, so that I can listen to his memoir about falling in love and losing his hearing uh, in the privacy of my own vehicle while I cry. But I would like something else. Just, I mean, folks, you listen to the show. You, you know fiction. what I'm into. You do fiction on audio? I'm better at nonfiction on audio. Yeah, and I have listened to a good chunk of Leslie Jones. <laughs> Okay. Um, so whatever engaging, interesting, maybe not in the self-helpy realm because I'm already going to be crying. So um, you can shoot us back those recommendations at the email. You can DM me on Instagram if you're there. You can respond to the podcast newsletter on Substack, whatever. But I would love recommendations from y'all. Okay, back to the point of order here. So Bob <laughs> invited you. What is, is that engraved? Does he send it by Bellman? Like how does it, what is he invited you like, to listen to? It we like? were getting in the car to run errands and usually we just put music on or we listen to a rewatchables or something that like we're both yep. interested in. And we got in the car and he was like, I really want to keep listening to this fly fishing oh, book. Do you I want see. to listen to and it? And you're also me? here. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. And, and yeah. he was like, and I think you'll like it. It is soothing. He's funny. And you know, you, you say yes to this kind of thing. So I said, uh-huh. yes, I've, I've heard now an hour or two of Girok talking about standing in a lake, waving a stick or what, however he phrases yeah. it. It is it's it's fractal. Great. It's fractal. If you've listened to an hour, hour, you've kind of listened to it all. I mean, you haven't, yeah. you haven't. And, at the same and time. I can understand how, if you've listened to an hour, you then want to listen to all of them. It kind mm-hmm. of, I think he's maybe Girok might be Bob's version of like my relationship uh, with E.B. White. Like you just need a, a chill like a little essay or letter vibe. Yeah, it, it's 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 S, it's ASMR for forty year old white guys. That's what it is. Yeah. That's like, that's just what Kirok is. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's great. I love it. Don't get me wrong. Everybody needs something uh, like that. Yeah, I think that's our show. There's a whole bunch of stuff in the show notes, which you can find at bookride.com/slash/listen or in the podcast catcher player, whatever you're doing right now. It's all right there. That includes uh, the Patreon. Rebecca's new Better Living Through Books newsletter. I think the most recent post is the only post that's up right now is Correct. for 2024, I think. Something like that. Yeah, books um, to help you with your New Year's resolutions. Be on the lookout for the power ranking of 2019. Oh, that was already out. Uh, next week, you're going to hear us talk about adaptations coming up from the rest of the year. Rebecca's putting that together. I guess you're just going to feed those to me. It's going to be an inversion of our normal dynamic. Yeah, you're going to be shoveling coal into the fire. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. See what you think about stuff. Uh, see how far we can get down the line with that particular. Other than that, um, we'll talk to you all real soon. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks, Rebecca.